You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. God, we thank you so much for the wonder of your word. We thank you, God, that your word is such a gift to us. It's the way that we can, we can know you. We can connect with you. We can, we can learn more about you, Lord. We can see the, the big picture story of your heart for mankind, Lord, throughout in the entirety of Scripture. And so, God, we pray today that as we open Ephesians, as we look at this letter in depth in the weeks ahead, God, we just pray that you would speak to us, that you would, you would use this beautiful letter in your word, to really bring hope, bring encouragement, challenge us, Lord, in our faith, see us grow deeper and deeper in love and adoration for you. So God, have your way this morning, we pray. And yeah, we just want to say, Lord, we are so glad that we can connect with you in this way through your word this morning. So yeah, we dedicate this time to you, Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Is anyone listening this morning a Stevie Wonder fan? Um, I'm not showing my age because he was kind of around before my time, but I'm, I'm showing a bit of my um, musical taste, that's for sure. You know, Stevie Wonder is without question one of the most talented singer-songwriters pretty well of all time. He is a gifted man. You might know him for pop songs such as For Once in My Life, or maybe you have more of a taste for the funky sort of tunes and you're thinking of Higher Ground or the very, very funky Superstitious. If you know anything of Stevie Wonder's music at all, you would know that his music is not only well-written, but it's catchy. It's the kind of music that really sticks in your head. You kind of hear it, and then as soon as you hear it, you know that you're going to be humming that tune for at least the rest of the day, if not longer. One of his songs that I've personally found really sticks in your head is the classic Signed, Sealed, Delivered, I'm Yours. Maybe you're familiar with that one. Now, this is pretty weird, I know, but just go with me here. As I was reading through the first chapter of Ephesians the other, some time ago, you know, this song started going around in my head. And that's not unusual. I'm pretty good at getting distracted at times. But weirdly enough, God actually used this distraction for good. He actually gave me some new lyrics, some biblical lyrics to the tune of Stevie Wonder's Signed, Sealed, Delivered, I'm Yours. So instead of that famous line, as I read verses 1 to 14 of Ephesians chapter 1, God revealed these lyrics to my heart. Chosen redeemed and sealed, your mind. Chosen, redeemed and sealed, your mind. It was one of those moments where you have to go, man, seriously, God, is anything too hard for you? Like, <laughs> you can even use my distracted Stevie Wonder mind for good. And God gave me a gift in that moment, I believe. But more than that, I believe he's given all of us a gift in the form of this particular memory hook. This phrase, in, in many ways, is the perfect summary of Paul's message to 
in the early verses of Ephesians, and it's actually a great insight into the overall message of his letter. But before we jump in and see why this is the case, I just want to give us a very quick background on Ephesians. So, as I said in praying just before, Ephesians is a letter or an epistle, and it's written by the Apostle Paul to encourage members of the early church in Ephesus in their faith. How do we know this? Well, the writer, one, he claims to be the Apostle Paul in verse 1, and he says who he's writing the letter to in verses 1 to 2. And broader than that, if you look at the textual criticism of like actually looking at the style and all of that sort of thing and comparing it to other Pauline letters, other ones that Paul's written, you'll see many similarities. And generally speaking, scholars have no doubt Paul is the writer of Ephesians. So let's read verse 1 to 2. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. And throughout Ephesians, he continues to bring home a few foundational key spiritual truths to, to really encourage and spur on the church in their faith. And there's, there's two things overall throughout the whole letter. And one is that Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God. And the second is that Christ has united all people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. There are a couple of the big themes throughout Paul's letter. And these beautiful foundational truths Paul teaches actually lead us to live the kind of lives that are pleasing to God, the kind of lives that ultimately will bring us fulfillment, that ultimately will see us enjoy life to the full. And not only do they teach us to lead lives of gratitude and kind of service to God, but they also lead us in the way in how we are to treat others too. Because here's the thing, when we know and when we feel these truths deeply in our hearts and when we allow Holy Spirit the room to actually shape us in light of these truths, we will lead radical lives of love where we serve God well and where we love others with his love. That's how it works. That's the basic structure of Ephesians. Right thinking coupled with right feeling, if you like, and that's the theology that actually doesn't just stick here but actually sinks into our hearts and start changing us from the inside out and moved on by the Holy Spirit. That kind of right thinking and right feeling actually leads us, it compels us to love God and love others. Does that make sense for you this morning? So that's a very, very brief background to Ephesians, and I'll provide some more background as we work our way through this letter together in the weeks ahead, but let's dig into God's Word and read today's passage. Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy 
and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Wow. Don't you love Paul's rich theological words right there? It's a bit of a mouthful to get through that passage, but did you know in the original Greek, that entire passage is not multiple sentences, it is one long sentence. Try getting that out quickly. That would be be pretty hard. You'd probably pass out from lack of breath. You know, this passage articulates in such a beautiful way, really, the good news of the gospel, the wonder of God's love for us, what we celebrated at communion Just before, many of those themes are weaved into that passage there. The hope that Jesus offers all people through his death, through his burial, and through his triumphant resurrection. The hope that is available to anyone who trusts in him. All right, let's break it down together this morning. Verse 3 to 6, Paul says the first point, God has chosen us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. Just let that truth sink into your heart for just a moment. Before the foundation of the world, before the time when God even started his incredibly intricate and beautiful and awe-inspiring creation, all the creative things that we know and enjoy and see all around us, God thought of us. He thought of you. God chose us. God chose you before the foundations of the world to be holy and to be blameless in his sight, to find hope and life and salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus' death on the cross, some skeptics often say, well, it must have been like some kind of after plan because things went wrong and then God had to do something, so he sent his son. No. That's not the case at all. Jesus' death on the cross was not plan B. It was always the plan. It was the one and only plan, plan A. 
to the very end. God chose to draw those who are now Christians, and here's the thing, here's the good news, and all those who will become Christians to himself through Jesus Christ at the very foundation of the world. Now that is a pretty incredible mind-bending truth, isn't it? Now the last thing I want to do is get into a predestination, all that sort of debate. But what I will say is this. I believe that when Paul says that God predestined us for adoption in verse 5, he's not suggesting that God only chose a certain number of people who could one day be saved. I don't think he's saying that. But rather, I think what Paul's describing is a God who is outside of time and is all-knowing and is all-powerful. Paul's saying that this God, this awesome God, foreknew. He knew then who would one day humble themselves, reach out to him in faith, and actually be in a state, in a place where they could be adopted as sons of, through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? You know, we know from Scripture, for example, 2 Peter 3, 9 is a good one, that God's desire is that no one should perish, no one at all, not one person. And while this is God's heart, while this is God's heart, God knows and he has known since before the foundations of the world that not everyone will choose to use the free will they've been gifted by him to humble themselves and trust in his son. God knows that. God knew then and he knows today that some will choose to follow Jesus and others will choose not to follow Jesus. Now, here's the great news in all of this. Any of us can choose to respond to God and receive the free gift of salvation that God offers us through Jesus Christ right now. Today, we can choose to love God today or we can choose not to. The choice is completely ours. Now, if you're sitting here or maybe you're listening online today, you haven't yet made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, can I encourage you to choose today? Make today the day where you reach out to God in faith. God knew before the foundations of the earth that you would be listening to this very message today. God knew before the foundations of the earth that you would be exactly where you're at right now in life, the exact season, the exact circumstances, the exact emotional state. He knew everything right now and exactly where you are on your journey of faith today. God knew all the way back then. He knew that you would have the opportunity to respond to him and reach out to him right now. And he wants nothing more than to see you embrace relationship with Jesus Christ. So, I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, don't delay. Reach out to him in faith and he wants relationship with you like nothing else. Come near to him and he'll show himself to you, I guarantee. Now, verses 4 and 6 of Ephesians 1 explain not only like that God has chosen us, don't only say, well, God has chosen us, but they explain why he's chosen us. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Do you see that in verse 4? 
God has chosen us to be holy and blameless before him. Now, holiness here means moral purity, and blameless means experiencing freedom from, from guilt and the consequences of sin. That's God's heart for everyone. For any of us who have relationship with him, or even those who have not yet reached out to him for that relationship, that is God's heart for us. God wants us to be free. God doesn't want us to be slaves to anything. He just wants us to be his slaves, in a sense, his bondservants, but his slaves who have adopted into his family, people who love to serve him and give their lives to him. God wants us to be set apart, no longer living lives for ourselves, but living for him. And God wants us to experience, as Paul says in verse 3, every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's his heart for us as his adopted sons and daughters who don't just have a certain level of rights, but have the full rights and the full um, access to the inheritance that any child of a father would have um, through faith in him and all the spiritual blessings. That's a pretty amazing thing, isn't it? God has chosen us before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in Jesus through adoption as his sons and daughters, opening the way for us to receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That just blows my socks off. I'm sure it does for you as well. You know, I could, I could go on about these truths forever, but I'm not going to today, don't worry. But seriously, our God is pretty amazing, hey? So, the first one, we've been chosen by God. And here's the second, we have been redeemed by God. Reading from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. What do you think of when you hear the word redeemed? What comes to mind? Maybe you think of redeeming a docket voucher, you know, maybe one of those ones when you go to Coles or Woolies and something on the end of your docket. Maybe you think of that. Maybe for you, redemption means redeeming all those credit card points that have been building up for you, or flybys points. That's a good way to save money on your shop, I guarantee that. Maybe you have a travel voucher that is yours to redeem when international travel opens up again in 2027, <laughs> hopefully before then. Well, what, what Paul's getting at here is something altogether different than that, something completely different. The word redemption here means to redeem someone, to ransom someone from captivity or slavery. That's what the word in this context means. Like in the Old Testament book of Exodus, if you think about that story, when God redeemed Israel from slavery in Egypt, that's the same kind of meaning there. 
And when Paul says in verse 7 that we have redemption through Jesus' blood, he's saying that we have been freed from captivity. We have been taken out of jail. We have been freed. We're no longer slaves because of Jesus' blood. And what are we freed from? What are we freed from? What's the spiritual jail, if you like, that we were bounding? Well, we were freed from needing to pay the just penalty for our sins, for our trespasses. You and I who have salvation this morning, who have been chosen by God and enjoy relationship with him, have been redeemed by Jesus, by his blood that was shed alone. That's it. We've been redeemed by his blood and by his blood alone. We haven't been and we can't ever be redeemed through our own efforts. We just can't. Through trying hard to be holy and blameless before God, doing the right things, giving to um, certain you know, needs around the world to be a good person, none of those things are going to make you right with God. The only thing that will ever make any of us right with God is Jesus and his sacrifice for sin. Paul explains this truth perfectly in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. He says, For all have sinned. Just some? No. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are what? And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All of us have sinned and all of us certainly fall short of the glory of God. And we are all, or we can all, be justified by his grace as a gift, as a great gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, not through any single thing we can do. And this is exactly why Jesus had to die. Jesus willingly lay down his life. Jesus willingly descended from heaven to earth, to dwell with us so that he could grow up, minister, describe more about his, his father's heart, kingdom, life, the ideal world, the ideal way of relating to others, shaking things up, turning the world upside down. And he did all that to point to eventually walk the road where he would actually die to pay the price for our sins. So we would be redeemed. So we would be released from the power, the captivity, the chains that our sin has over us. And more than that, not only would we be released, we would be released from, but we would also be released for. We'd be released for relationship with God once again. The law, the Old Testament law, we'll explore more about this in 2022 as we work our way through the Bible. But the law demanded that sacrifices be made for the sins of mankind. And Jesus freely offered himself as the perfect sacrifice to redeem all mankind once and for all. It's only through his blood that any of us can be justified and made right with God. And I reckon that is really freeing for us. Maybe that's really freeing for you, even hearing that afresh today. It's really good news for all of us. We don't need to justify ourselves. We don't need to do anything to make ourselves right with God. We simply need to trust in him. We need to have faith in him 
and freely receive the gift of redemption that he offers us in Jesus. And at the moment that we do, when we do that, we find true freedom and we begin to experience the kind of fullness of life that Jesus and God and Holy Spirit have always longed for all mankind to experience since the very beginning of time. Is that freeing for you today, friends? Is that encouraging for your heart today? I just want to encourage you. Use it as a moment right now and just pray, Holy Spirit, help this truth to sink beyond here into my heart. Help this truth to reside there in my heart. Because the reality is, if we know this and know this and know this and know this, this kind of truth about our redemption not being in any way to do with anything of us, that'll change our life. That'll free us. That'll help us in our journey of living with God and sharing his love with other people. So just allow Holy Spirit to do that right now. You are accepted by God. You're accepted by God, not through anything you can do, but simply because of what Jesus Christ has already done. And again, if you're listening to this, you have yet to place your faith in Jesus. Why don't you choose to do that now? That redemption that I'm talking about is available to you as well. Reach out to God. Trust in him today. And he will forgive you for your sins and welcome you into relationship with the Father once again. And you will experience the kind of freedom in life that you have never experienced before because there's no more freedom than we can experience other than being in relationship with Jesus Christ. Why don't you turn to him today if that's you? All right, so we've been chosen by God. We've been redeemed by God. And here's the final lesson from today's passage. We've been sealed by God. Now, again, I'm sharing all my weirdnesses today, aren't I? But whenever I think of sealed, I think of a stake that's been seared. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But that's what I think of. You know, that beautiful steak that you cook on the barbecue. Apologies to any vegetarians out there. But you cook it on the barbecue and it's got those beautiful char-grilled lines running through it. That's what I think of when I read this passage. You know, it's kind of weird, but let's go with it, right? In a sense, we've been marked like this steak. We've been sealed by God through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been marked, if you like. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. In him, you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is a pretty amazing truth to, to really let sink down deep within our hearts. The very moment you were saved, you were marked by God. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The moment you believed, God sealed you. He marked you with the helper, Holy Spirit, who right now resides within you, protecting you, shaping you, encouraging you, rebuking you, all the wonderful things that take us deeper in relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit serves as, in a way, like a guarantee, like the royal seal, if you like, that you belong 
to the king. You're a child of the king. You belong to God. How incredible is that? That is what it does. That is the gift. It says, Holy Spirit dwelling within us declares in all the heavens that you are his. You belong to him. I think it's pretty fair to say, maybe this is only my experience, but I don't think it's unique to me. It's so easy for us to kind of go through life actually neglecting Holy Spirit. We can easily neglect Holy Spirit. And then when we stop and think about it, we kind of wonder why it's kind of difficult and why we're lacking in joy, why our road is difficult. Not saying that when we when have Holy Spirit that life's always going to be easy. I'm not suggesting that. But joy is something that's different from happiness, isn't it? Joy is not dependent on circumstances. Joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit being alive and close to us relationally. And so, yeah, you know, sometimes we kind of go, like, why, why is it so hard? Why am I just lacking joy? Well, for me, I think often it's because I've, haven't negle- I've actually neglected seeking Holy Spirit and inviting Him to have His way in my heart. Because here's the thing. God's actually given us Holy Spirit for all those reasons I've shared. He's sealed us with the promised Spirit. But He's also given us Holy Spirit to serve a key function, a key role in our lives. What's that role? That of helper. Here's how Jesus describes Holy Spirit to his disciples in John chapter 16 and verse 7. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Can you imagine being his disciples and hearing Jesus say, it is to your advantage that I go? Like, (laughs) that's just incredible. Even then, they must have been like, seriously, what is he going to send next? You've been incredible, God. You've been, you are the Messiah. What could possibly be better and better for us and um, to our advantage that you would go away? Not only does the helper convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment, that says Jesus goes on to say in verse 8 there, you can check it in your own time, but he also empowers us to resist the urge to sin. That's what Holy Spirit does. And not only does he empower us to resist the urge to sin, but he actually empowers us to live the kind of holy and blameless lives that Paul is encouraging the members of the early church in, in this letter. Friends, let's all hear this this morning, not just in our ears, but let's hear it deep within our hearts. You have been chosen. You have been redeemed. And you have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You are His. You are His. You have been chosen, redeemed, and sealed by God. You are His. And here's the thing. You can walk the kind of life that he calls you to walk. You can walk, I can walk and live the life that he calls me to live only, only if we truly allow these kind of truths to penetrate our hearts and capture our hearts and then as these truths are having their way in our hearts, when we actually give Holy Spirit the freedom to lead us 
in life from that place, from that place of true heart understanding in the wonder of what Jesus has achieved for us. You know, this is Paul's structure. He's, he's intentionally structured his letter in such a way that if we don't understand the first few chapters, we won't actually be able to live out the teachings of the final three. You know, because these amazing, these beautiful, these gripping, these inspiring spiritual truths are foundational and, and we need to understand these and we need to grasp these in our hearts in order to live out the rest of Ephesians. Because it's no coincidence. Paul, just like any of the writers of the Bible, they were divinely inspired by God and they, as authors, shared what they did in such a way to have key impact on our lives. Paul, no doubt, intentionally structures his letters with this letter with what God's done before going on to what we are to do in light of what God's done. Does that make sense? Paul knew what God's already achieved is actually the basis. It's the motivation. It's the very thing that will fuel us to live victorious lives, the kind of lives that God is calling and longs for all his children and anyone who doesn't know him to eventually live through his power and through the Holy Spirit's enabling. God longs that we would all know these truths deeply today. So I guess the question is, do you know these truths today? Have you tasted, have you experienced the freedom that comes from knowing these truths, not only in our heads, not only hearing them and letting them ring true in our ears and going, that's really nice, I like the sound of that, but then leaving them there and not letting them sink deep within, but actually deep within our hearts. Have you opened your heart to allow Holy Spirit the freedom to work out these truths in your heart, causing you to overflow into beautiful good works and acts of love and service to those around you? Well, if you haven't yet, can I encourage you, today is the day to reach out to God. Today is the day to reach out to God, to trust in Jesus and give Holy Spirit the right, the right. We're the ones who open the doors of our hearts to allow Holy Spirit to come in. Would you open that door today? Would you let him come in and have his way and reveal these truths to you? I just want to say this again to all of us one last time so that it really sinks deep within our hearts, so that it has the opportunity to truly marinate and, and ruminate in the innermost parts of our souls, so that we don't just hear it, but we feel it, and we're, we're overcome with awe and wonder at what this truly means. I want to say it again. This is what God says to you today. God says, I have chosen, I have redeemed, and I have sealed you with Holy Spirit. You are mine. We're his friends. We've been chosen. We've been redeemed. We've been sealed. We are God's. We are his. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so grateful for the incredible truth of the good news of the gospel. We thank you so much for the richness 
of letters like Ephesians, which so eloquently and beautifully paint this glorious picture of the wonder of the good news, of the wonder of what you achieved, Jesus, not what we achieved, but what you achieved through your atoning sacrifice, through your death and your triumphant resurrection on the cross. We just thank you so much, God, that it's not through anything we could do, but it's simply all through what you have done. And God, all we really need to do is we just need to be open to you. We need to open our hearts. We need to be, have an open posture to invite Holy Spirit to come in and seal these truths in our hearts and then lead us in these truths, in leading us in your love, Lord, to honour you and also to all those around us. So God, we just want to say we, we love you, God. We thank you, God, from the bottom of our hearts for the wonder of the reality that we are chosen by you. We have been redeemed by you. And we have been sealed by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for those incredible gifts. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to unpack the, the depths of these spiritual truths in our hearts in the week ahead. And as we continue in Ephesians, God, would you just take us deeper and deeper in not just in understanding, God. We don't want to just have understanding. We want to have heart revelation where your word comes alive through your spirit and changes us in our deepest places. Would you do this, God? Would you grant this cry of our hearts? We know, Lord, your desire is to see all of us grow, to see all of us become more like Jesus. And so we humbly ask, God, that you would continue through this Ephesians exploration, to do just that. So we thank you, Jesus. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen.